0: to the St Emlyn's Podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall.
1: And I'm Liz Crow.
0: And it has been a little while since you and I, Liz, have chatted. And I know things have happened in your life with your employment. So it's probably worth, why don't you just remind the listeners of who you are, what you do, just in case for some reason they haven't been part of the Liz Crow phenomenon over the last 12 months.
1: So I've left the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit in very good hands with other great counsellors and I've moved solely into the wellbeing space and so I've been coaching and counselling doctors, nurses and allied health as well as admin staff during for us what we thought was going to be COVID and we've been very lucky in Australia to have very low numbers however I've been continuing on that role and I've just really enjoyed it.
0: So as Liz mentions, and she might be able to tell from her accent, she is Australian and she does work in Australia. How is, as they say in the trade, COVID for you?
1: Look, we have been incredibly fortunate and I want to be very clear about that. We we have had periods of lockdown. It's Interestingly, we've had nowhere near the numbers that the rest of the world have had, but we've had very severe lockdown. Our country has been locked down. Uh, no one in, no one out. Really, since the beginning of the year, and even state to state, we have not been allowed to go back and forth and we we have had periods of times where we 've been locked in our residence unless we are essential workers, schools shut down, etc. But at the moment in queensland we 're very fortunate to be able to move quite freely, and I think we 've been at zero cases for most of this week
0: so things settling down in Australia, and of course you 've got summer coming, which is supposed to be an optimistic time because of the heat and everything but I think like the rest of the world and like we've got in the UK at the moment, there is this fear of what's being called a second wave. Some people feel we're in it already. As yet, we don't really know what that's going to mean, whether that's going to mean lockdown for us back in the UK with schools and restaurants and other people shutting or whether it's going to just mean living with COVID. But what I thought would be really helpful if we could just talk a little bit about how you think we can try and get in a space where we cope. Better or not better, but we are able to deal with the feelings of being in a second wave because I think people are just tired of this now. They just want it over. The only thing I'm going to ask Liz is can we just make just two agreements that we don't use the word resilience and we don't use the word well-being for the next 20 minutes? That's the only only provisos I'm going to make on our conversation because I reckon we can get through talking about how to do this without those words. Do you think that'd be okay?
1: I'm absolutely in agreement with that. And I I think that bending those words around at the moment are probably really quite kind of quite unhelpful for most people.
0: So bearing that in mind, what can we do, both as healthcare professionals and just as people living in this new normal, to try and cope with this feeling that this is just going on and it's not stopping. And our lives have changed and our workplaces have changed and people may have financial concerns. They may have concerns about elderly relatives. There's so much going on. We hoped it would all be over pretty fast, but it hasn't been. What are the practical things we can do to get ourselves just into a place where we face each day relatively positively about how we deal with what's going on?
1: See, I don't even know if the goal is to face it positively. I think it is the goal to just be extremely realistic about this. And I, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate I can make these statements because our country is not facing the same things as the rest of the world. For this generation, this is our war. This is the great hardship for our generation. We have been so used to a sense of certainty and we have been completely robbed of that. Most people could cope if they said, look, you've just got to do this until June 2021. But we actually have no end point in sight and we don't know what it's going to be. And people are really fatigued. They're mentally fatigued, they're physically fatigued, they're concerned, they're frightened. When we are reflecting on how we look after ourselves, like everything else that has had to change in 2020, we need a completely different psychological reset around this. And maybe this is the time for us to really rethink about what being healthy, what being in a good psychological space looks like in the middle of a pandemic.
0: So let's think about some practical ways in which we can do that. What would you say to people who come to you at work and say, Liz, do you know what? I've I've just had enough of this now. The uncertainty about having to self-isolate, being stuck in my house or coming to work and not really knowing what it's going to be like. We always try and talk about practical things. I'm always anxious that those two words that we said we weren't going to mention are just banded around without any actual action. What is the action we can take as individuals and as groups of people to make this just a bit more copable with?
1: The practical things. There are numerous podcasts around that. And, you know, people talking about mindfulness and sleep hygiene and nutrition and how to exercise in your home those sorts of things and that's not what i want to focus on for me what i think the really important practical things the things that will be powerful in the workplace and hopefully powerful to ourselves is start to name some of our emotions not to try and numb them down not to try and pretend they're not there not to try and be positive i mean there are people out there we have friends certainly in our community who are literally seeing dozens of people a every week as a result of COVID who are living with a real fear that themselves, people that they love, their colleagues and just members of the community are not going to survive or will survive COVID with terrible comorbidities. So those fears are actually real. They're warranted. Normally in our work we try to take an attitude of okay this was an isolated incident and we're going to Provide some emotional containment around that and just tuck it to the side. Whereas you can't do that often with this pandemic because we can't get to go home and think this isn't going to impact us. We can't use our normal coping mechanisms because maybe we can't go outside for a run. We can't go to the pub and have a drink. We can't catch up with friends. We can't visit our mum and have a Sunday roast. All our normal coping strategies have been pushed aside. And for many people, I think these are going to be really new emotions. Fear, vulnerability, uncertainty, knowing that you may go in shift after shift and see people be be intubated, critically ill, die of all sorts of ages, I think people feel quite powerless. What I think we need to do is really get back to the core of what is in our realm of control and what is it that brought us to this work. And what is it that that we can still control, I guess, and what, what is it that we can't? And how do we learn to trust ourselves that, in actual fact, our emotions are just emotions. Um, they don't need a big narrative, and they're probably very warranted.
0: And there must be aspects that we can take that are positive about the roles we have within this pandemic. We are in the middle of it. We are able to do things. We are able to make a difference And there must be a way we've talked about meaning making in the past is meaning making. Well, firstly, can you just remind us what it is? But is meaning making in a pandemic any different to meaning making in the middle of a major incident or in the middle of majors on a Saturday night where you've got 15 people waiting to be seen? Do we have to change how we get meaning out of our work or is it just as it always was? And actually, should we remind ourselves how lucky we are that we have an impact where we can make a difference?
1: So I was listening to a TED talk um, the other day by Professor John Fraser, where he was talking about the use of ECMO and COVID and that in actual fact, you know, it's only wealthy countries that get to do that. There are a whole range of countries that just don't have access to that sort of technology. You know, we're talking about a broad range of what people are going to have access to and the sorts of things that perhaps they could be grateful But it's very hard, I think, for people to go, oh, I'm really grateful that I work in this massive metropolitan hospital with all the bells and whistles and we're still watching people die. What we're going to have to do when we reflect on meaning is really connect what brought us to this work. If we can't change the fact that there's a pandemic and we can't change the fact that for some groups of people, by the time they see us, they are too ill to be saved, or too ill not to have a significant outcome as a result of this, what, what is the meaning that we can hold on to? For me, and this is hard, I'm not saying that we've got all the answers, but I guess for me, it's really about what brought me here, Why do I allow myself to be exposed to this? What is my contribution? Now, we can't make a change. We can't guarantee ourselves that we can save everybody and we can't guarantee ourselves that we can stop everyone from becoming chronically ill and we can't guarantee ourselves that it's not going to be frantically busy at work and people aren't going to be stressed and we're not going to be hating our PPE. But what we can do is keep reminding ourselves about what other things that we can control. Every person that I see today at work, I will bring the best of my skills, the best of my ability, the best of my compassion with my team uh, and the people I work with, whether I'm a leader or whether I'm the cleaner, that I am kind and friendly. And when someone speaks rudely to me, is sharp or ignores me, I'm going to believe with a generous mind that they've got a positive intent and that maybe something else is going on for them. I'm going to be the best colleague that I can. I'm going to shout someone a coffee or go out of my way. We can be compassionate human beings. Now, is that enough to sustain people? You know, like is meaning enough to sustain people? I think that people have to accept that they might cry more than they ever have in the line of duty. They might feel bone tired like they never have before or they haven't since they had a newborn baby in the house or that they will be disillusioned or overwhelmed by the volume of people that need them however if we can keep coming back to this whole what brought me here what is important what would I hope that people could say about me and maybe that's just our colleagues maybe our patients are too sick and maybe because we don't we're not allowing any visitors at the moment which often happens when covid is going to a surge that people don't get to witness it but if you know in your heart what you did today was pe- treat someone with dignity and respect and kindness and you brought your best skills and you brought in who else needed to be at the table and you spoke thoughtfully to your colleagues that may may be as good as we can get and we have to we have to hold tight to that and Maybe it's time for the first time in medicine that we say that vulnerability has a place, that we need to talk more about meaning and that whole issue of feeling powerless and that that may be part of our new
0: norm. So I want to come back to one of the things you mentioned, which I think is a really important word, which is compassion. When we're overwhelmed, it feels all too easy to forget the little things. And just indulge me for a moment while I tell you a personal story about my own health from a few years ago just because I've always remembered this I was poorly it's probably five years ago now with what turned out to be viral meningitis and I went to my local hospital not the one I work in And people were very, very good to me. They rushed me through the test because I'm a doctor and I all of that sort of business happened and I wasn't feeling particularly well. And the one thing I remember wasn't all the doctors coming to me and making sure I had an MRI scan early and being kind about giving me, uh, you know, lumbar puncture and all this other stuff. It was when I was waiting for an x-ray and I was shivering and cold and the radiographer thought without me asking to put the blankets that were over the top of me over my feet. And that was the most compassionate thing that happened to me throughout that whole episode. I've always held on to that any time where I've thought to myself, am I too busy to get a blanket? Am I too busy to offer that patient a glass of water? Am I too busy? I don't think we're ever too busy to show compassion. Even in the height of a pandemic, those are the things that make a difference. And I think we need to try and remember that because is there a danger that in amongst all of this, we almost make an excuse that we're too busy to do those things. Well, I can't possibly do that because I'm in PPE, or I can't possibly do that because I'm tired. Do we do we need to reset ourselves? Do we need to sometimes have a hard word with ourselves and remind ourselves why it is that we do what we do?
1: I think it's probably important, but I, I'm I'm really going to encourage people not to be too judgy-mic-judgy about themselves about anything. I think that When people are fatigued and they're frightened, you know, we're all a bit afraid and we're all a little little bit have the potential to perhaps not be our best best selves. And then that's only going to, you know, make our own, I'm sorry to say, well-being a little bit more challenged. We start with a place of compassion for ourselves. And so if I wake up in the morning and think, "I, I literally feel like I can't face work today, I can't go and see how many people on the board are waiting to be seen and I can't go into PPE because I'm going to be hot and sweaty and I can't get enough fluids and then I can't get to the bathroom enough and I'm scared and I don't want to catch it and I don't want to bring it home, to just own some of those fears, not to be judgmental about it and say, You know, why aren't I braver? Why aren't I more resilient? Why aren't I this? Why aren't I that? You'll see in social media people coping with this in a whole range of ways. And for some people it's exercise and for some people it's positive thoughts, and for some people it's overeating, and some people are drinking more wine perhaps than they should. But at the end of the day, the sorts of things that will sustain us is our values, our belief that what we are doing is perhaps bigger than ourselves. That this is our calling. This is the thing that we are meant to do. Not save everyone, but to be present and give people the best opportunity that we possibly can. To be good colleagues, to demonstrate to our families that when things are tough, we continue to do it because we made a commitment to these professions. And, you know, there's other, t- you know, so many other times in our jobs that we have faced danger, that we have. Faced potentially life threatening diseases or illnesses or situations when we 've been threatened by people who have mental health problems or someone who's intoxicated we 're now being asked to do that en mass day in day out while we 've got our own personal challenges and this is new. We know that there are practical things that we need to do, but I think there's lots of psychological things we need to do and and, and staying connected to people who replenish us, who help us take a little psychological reset and, you know, so to people to keep their humour, even when it might feel like there's nothing funny to laugh at. You know, if, if someone looks funny in their PPE and they, they're good-natured enough to be teased, we should, we should make the moment, you know, to, to still laugh and enjoy and to celebrate that when you have gone into work, even though things are foul, there are hundreds of other people that you will be surrounded or that were also brave enough to come to work. And that's something to celebrate. And I know lots of people felt really uncomfortable with the hero thing and the clapping. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about looking around a room and thinking, I work with extraordinary human beings uh, who also made a decision to be in today, and that's important.
0: Do you think there's times where you expect life to be full of rainbows and unicorns and actually – we need to remember that life isn't like that. That life can be tricky. Life can be tough. Life can, for want of a better phrase, be a bit shit. With the way we run our lives at the moment, are we too optimistic about what we expect from every day? Should we take our expectations down a bit and just find the small things that make us happy and content?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, happiness might be a stretch for some people, but contentment is a a really great word. For lots of us, we had been used to living a life that was very comfortable, and I think 2020 has robbed people of that in all sorts of ways, and relationships have suffered and people's health has suffered and finances have suffered and things that we took pleasure from that really refilled us and rejuvenated us for the year have been taken from us. You know, very few people at the moment... Can find the rainbows and, and unicorns. I do believe that this is a time for us to really reflect about who we want to be, who we want to be in ourselves, and who we want to be at home or with our loved ones or with our important connections, and who we want to be in the team and who we want to be to our patients. That's tricky, and it might change a little bit day to day. But if we can go back to those core cool values about what borders here, I think that's really all we've got. We have to hold on to that. We need to praise our colleagues who are doing a sensational job despite all the fears, despite all the hardship. We need to give ourselves a pat on the back and say, I'm I'm doing this even though I'm frightened. And I think we need to find a language again about describing how hard things can be without pretending that they have to be optimistic or that there's something practical that's going to that's going to miraculously fix this because it's not there.
0: As we face up to this second wave or the parts of it that are happening, we've talked a bit in the round, but I'm an emergency physician. I like to, to have some takeaway points, Liz, you know that. What I'm getting from what you're saying is that firstly, we need to acknowledge that we're scared. We need to acknowledge that our world has changed and any change is going to make us feel uncertain. And that uncertainty can manifest itself in all sorts of different ways. That could be the way in which we hold ourselves when we're at work, the way in which we talk to other people. And we need to think about how we do that. The other thing we've mentioned is compassion and maintaining our compassion despite being tired, weary and frankly fed up with coronavirus. Are those fair aims, do you think, for me next time I go into work?
1: Yeah, I think they're perfect, names, And and you know, in some ways, as awful as this sounds, I think we're going to have to get used to an increased sense of distress. I think often when we've spoken before about things that have been really challenging at work, they've been very isolated. And this has just been this long, protracted, no-ending, multifaceted crisis that's going on and on and on. We have to almost get to a point where we think, you know what, anxiety is going to be a point, you know, just something that's around for a long time. And I'm sort of Please, So I've got some anxiety. I don't want people to be crippled by it, but I, I'm pleased that I've got a level of anxiety because it's going to make me much more vigilant with my P, P and E. It's going to prepare me for the day. When I go wake up in the morning and I think I feel a bit anxious, I'm going to know what that's about. And instead of being really judgmental about myself or criticize myself or pathologize, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm working in a pandemic and it's okay that I'm having this range of emotions. People may need to use their downtime very differently to disconnect from work in a much more separatist way than they've done before and to reconnect with their family and friends or reconnect with the things that replenish them in a very real way. And you know what? Netflix may not cut it. Running on a treadmill may not cut it. Drinking Chardonnay may not cut it. We may need to mix things up a bit. People may need to think about, Do would it be helpful to speak to a therapist or a coach? People may need to think about ways to connect that are new and different and creative. People may need to become more creative. Online classes of every nature, boxing, dancing, uh, a whole range of things. How do we creatively hold ourselves in this terrible space for as long as it can be in a way that when we get through the other side we're changed we're different but we're not broken.
0: Liz I think we've talked about some wide-ranging things that I hope our listeners will find useful it's always a joy to hear you on the podcast we will be keeping going through this second third fourth fifth wave for this new normal and we will find more to talk about I'm sure thanks again for joining us on the St Emlyn's podcast and let's make sure we talk again soon.
1: I'd love that and please everybody take care.